Today is the 30th anniversary of the end of the Ruby Ridge siege. Now that 11-day siege in Ruby Ridge, Idaho, began when federal agents attempted to serve a warrant to Randy Weaver. Now Weaver was an Army veteran turned survivalist. While serving the warrant, a shootout erupted, killing Weaver's 14-year-old son and a federal agent. Also during the siege, a FBI sniper shot and killed Weaver's wife, who was unarmed and carrying the couple's infant daughter. Weaver eventually surrendered to authorities and was acquitted by a jury on the felony weapons charges that started the siege in the first place. Randy Weaver died earlier this year at the age of 74. The man who became a hero to the militia movement across the country has now died. Randy Weaver, dead at age 74. That's according to a social media post from his daughter, Sarah. Weaver became a household name back in 1992 when federal marshals surrounded his cabin in Ruby Ridge, Idaho. An 11-day standoff then ended with federal marshals killing Weaver's wife and killing his teenage Weaver's son. wife and his killing teenage Weaver's son. And his teenage son. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. That a shadowy elite of international bankers are secretly controlling the governments of the world. They say that <laughs> the people that control this world could sit around one large table and have lunch. The theory goes that these elitists plan to create an all-powerful new world order, a world government that will destroy anyone who disobeys them. It is a theory shared by militiamen and also by an increasing number of mainstream Americans. The message spreads through underground videos and anti-New World Order talk shows. Is there a New World Order? There's a New World Order. This is the story of a family who wanted to escape from the clutches of this tyrannical elite by moving to a mountaintop in Idaho. It is also the story of how their paranoid fantasies came true. Randy and Vicky believed that an evil elite of international bankers and media moguls were secretly controlling their increasingly tyrannical government. The move to the cabin was their way of opting out. The Weaver family moved to the mountains because they were panicked by the underground videos they saw portraying their government as out of control and destroying the lives of simple people who wanted to live free. When the guns are gone and your freedom lies shattered at your feet, just when it will be far too late to say, why didn't I fight instead of sheepishly retreat? Oh. The family called this shadowy elite the New World Order. They thought that if they couldn't be left alone on top of a mountain in Idaho, where could they be left alone? Some of the things they believed up there might seem crazy, but they were a long way off. Pretty neat view, huh? It was as if Randy and Vicky's conspiracy theories were coming true. They had moved to the mountains to escape a tyrannical government, and a tyrannical government was now coming to get them. The family took to carrying guns at all times, even the children. They became increasingly convinced that the army of the New World Order was watching them from the bushes. In fact, they were being watched from the bushes. Due to the remoteness of his location in the mountain, um, it was decided 
that we just kind of take a, a wait and see uh, attitude because uh, again he had three kids up there and um, the last thing we wanted to well the baby did came along later and maybe in retrospect waited too long uh, of course time went on and a year went on and the last thing that the marshal service wanted to do was to um, get into a situation where kids could get involved and then it still fell apart the marshals were up there doing the same thing they've been doing off and on for the last three months and uh, they got too close to the cabin and uh, the dogs uh, uh, got a scent of them and uh, the dogs started chasing the deputies started running down the hill and uh, then the shots were fired if I'd had any idea that these federal marshals were doing, they was out there dinking around, I'd have never, I wouldn't have gone out there myself, but I sure as hell wouldn't have let Sam and Kevin go running and chasing that dog after federal marshals. I mean, that'd be stupid. That's just stupid. But, so I get, I go down this logging road, down to the area they call the Y. I hear, clunk, clunk, clunk. I look, and here's this guy jumps out in front of me total cameled out. I mean, just, I saw his eyes and I saw his mouth move and he yelled, freeze, Weaver. I was yelling for the boys. Boys, get home, get home, boys. It's an ambush, right? I heard Sam yell, I'm coming, Dad. Boom, 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 boom. Then it opened up. The deputy started running down the hill. Um, Randy Kevin Harris and Sammy Weaver started chasing them down. The dogs started coming down. They got to a Y. The deputies stopped, and shots got fired. Um, the dog was definitely shot. One of the agents shot Stryker in the back and hit his spine, and little uh, Samuel, who raised the dog from a pup, saw him running around in circles, yiping, and then fall dead. Sammy opened fire on the agents that had shot his dog and said, you guys to kill my dog, and he opened fire and shot, shot several times. And as it turned out, he didn't hit anybody. But uh, then when he, they, they of course fired back at him with military rifles, these uh, automatic fire rifles, and almost cut his left arm off. Now remember, he was about the size of a 10-year-old boy, you know, small. Uh, so they shot his left arm to where it was just hanging by the flesh, and little Samuel turned around and ran up the mountain and screamed to his dad, I'm coming home, Dad. And at that time, my fellow officers took a MP5 machine gun and just sprayed him right up the back as he's running away and murdered him right there. So, I mean, what happened after that? Mom... I think it was right after that. Mom said, we got to go get him. And so Mom and Dad went down. And Kevin went with them. And I went in the house and got Elizabeth dressed. And I, I never saw him. They put him in the guest shed, and Dad and Mom went in and cleaned him up and wrapped him in a sheet, I guess. Vicki Weaver wrote in her diary that night that Sam was killed while chasing the servants of the New World Order. A 400-strong army descended on the cabin. They sealed off the mountain. Two miles away, down in the valley, the neighbours began a protest at the roadblock. 
Martial law was declared by the state governor. The military operation was undertaken with such stealth that besides from hearing a few sirens down in the valley, the Weaver family had no idea that their cabin was now surrounded by FBI snipers. The next day, the other two dogs that we had tied up out in the yard started kind of whimpering and barking a little bit. And I thought, yep, here they come. Somebody's out there wants to talk to us. I took Sam's Mini-14, and I walked out, and bang, I got shot through the shoulder. It was like a bloody mist went out across the front of my face. It smelled that, and it went I cussed in my mind, you know, like this, you know, this really hurts. And then I got my bearings, and I went through my mind, and, they're going to murder me now. They're going to kill me now. You can see that old cook stove laying on the platform right now. If I can see that. And he had a scope. I know he could see a lot more. He first took a shot at my dad and hit him in the back. came out through his armpit. And uh, then as they were running into the house, he shot my mother. And it went through her head and killed her. And it, the bullet... Then entered Kevin Harris. Where was your mother at the time? It'd be about exactly where she was. She was holding my little sister. She was 10 months old at the time. So Vicky goes to the door while she's nursing little Alicia, pushes the door open frantically because she hears the gunfire. And here comes the whole family running in the door. The bullet had come through the window in the door. Would have went through Vicky's face here and come out this, or let's see, she was facing that way. Would have come in here, out here, right over the baby's head, and into Kevin. Kevin's coming in, it went in his left arm, and uh, the main part of the bullet broke two, two ribs and, and uh, stopped about this far from his heart. So that was an excellent shot, but a very sad day for America when uh, one of my fellow officers and soldiers asked to shoot a mother holding her little baby. I turn around, there's Vicky. She's kind of down in a, on her knees and her head. I think it was Dad picked Elishba up out from underneath Mom and handed her to me. And she had, um, she had blood and stuff all over her head, and we were afraid that she had gotten hit too, but she was okay. It was just, just Mom's blood. The family locked themselves in the cabin for over a week. Nobody but the Weavers and the FBI knew that Vicky had been killed. How many of you against one is there, huh? I remember hearing hearing people underneath the house rustling through our stuff. Uh, I remember the floodlights coming through the cracks of the curtains. And hearing, uh, they're stupid whatever they are, half tracks or whatever, rolling over stuff in the yard. They crunched our generator. They ran over our outhouse. Um, not to mention, down at the, at the Y where everything happened, after they shoot the dog and my brother, they, they ran over the dog. It's just sick. Two miles down in the valley, the protest at the roadblock had swelled to thousands. People traveled from across America to support the weavers. 
Jack McLam and Bo Greitz were in the crowd. Jack and Bo are both ex-military officers who've jumped ship and become heroes to the anti-government activists. Uh, what we had was, I'd never seen so many FBI, DEA agents, U.S. Marshals. We had uh, armored personnel carriers and then they were all dressed in, in military uniforms with Kevlar. This is America. What is going on here? Every day they would shout at us through the, the, those, the bullhorn or loud thing, whatever you call it. And they'd say, Vicky, Vicky, tell Randy to pick up the phone. And Dad would scream out, you son of a bitch, you shot her or whatever. You know she's dead. And they'd never answer us. It was a week into the siege. The FBI had failed to convince the Weavers to come out, so they invited Jack and Bo up the mountain to talk with Randy and his daughters through the cabin walls. Bo Greitz and Jack McLam walking across the bridge across uh, Ruby Creek, heading to Randy's mountain house. Later that night, Jack and Bo came back down the mountain to tell the protesters what they'd learnt. I want uh, all of you in the vigil to uh, join your hands. I want you to get close and I want you to get warm. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that uh, we went right up to the top of the hill and established an immediate dialogue like I knew we could with Randy. Wasn't any problem at all. This communication is going to continue. I want your hands joined. That's an order. I got a reason for it. The bad news and get a grip on yourself is that Vicky was killed. Damn. And uh, most unfortunate thing, apparently she was killed on Saturday. Wonderful mother has had her life taken and she's in God's hands as we speak. The siege at Ruby Ridge lasted for ten days. Every morning, Bo and Jack would return up the mountain to talk to the family through the cabin walls. We're, we're trying to calm them down, get them to stop crying, and to focus on something else other than their mother laying up underneath the kitchen table in a pool of blood. And so the, basically we spent the morning talking to them about the need to uh, uh, come out and take it to court. We knew then they had one fantastic case in court against this government. Oh, my goodness. There's something in law enforcement called jury appeal. And when you machine gun a little boy running away from you and shoot a mother holding a baby in the head, you got jury appeal. It was 11 days into the siege that Bo and Jack finally convinced the family to take their case to court. Well, the door opens and they come out. Ah, oh, I'll tell you, boy. I just about get tears in my eyes now thinking about it. It was wonderful to see these little girls take off their weapons, little tiny little girls, you know, wearing weapons against their own government. I mean, where should that be proper? And it was uh, the saddest days of my life uh, was spent on the top of that mountain when I realized that my fellow police officers and soldiers are capable of that, you see, that I served with. I never would have believed that, never would have believed it, you know. And so it was a great awakening for Bo and me. And that's why there's so many people today in America and people in uniform that are speaking out against this damnable 
world system is being set up that will do that to people at will. In the end, Randy was charged with murder, conspiracy and assault, but the trial was a disaster for the government. The judge said that the government had shown a callous disregard for the Weavers' rights. The FBI say they didn't know Vicky Weaver was behind the door when they fired into the cabin. They say her death was an accident and not the actions of a bloodthirsty government controlled by a shadowy elite called the New World Order. The Weavers moved to the mountains because of their fantasies about a shadowy elite coming to get them, and in a sense their conspiracy theories came true. The American militia movement was formed that week at the roadblock at Ruby Creek, convinced that a shadowy elite plans to do to the world what they did to the Weavers. Some say that the demonization of Randy Weaver as a white supremacist is thematic of the New World Order's tactics, that they falsely accuse anyone of anti-Semitism who gets too close to the truth. Gets too close to the truth. Too close to the truth. A New World Order. A world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order.